We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And they come up the middle on the pitch. He's dropped by Queen. He spins away. Slippery, but down he goes. Shoved right there by Roquan Smith. But Queen blew it up, and Smith finishes him off. Robbins in the backfield. 48 of Pittsburgh. First, oh, there he goes. A big hole. After the races. Chased by Fitzpatrick with the move. And it's deformed and out of bounds. Inside the five. What a burst. 44 yards by Dobbins. It's the ninth play of the drive. Second down and eight. Blocked by Moore. Trubisky intercepted. Picked off by Roquan Smith. Swings out intercepted again. Queen. You have got to be kidding me. At the seven, he makes the pick. Another deep in Baltimore interception by Mitch Trubisky. And the defense of the Ravens hold again. Two turnovers, both inside the Baltimore 25. I think it was the kind of victory that you can uh, attribute to uh, heart and character and toughness and finding a way to get the job done and never, never giving up and never, uh, never flinching and having each other's back in the end. Ravens head coach John Harbaugh meeting with the media just moments ago in Pittsburgh after his team's hard-fought rivalry win over the Steelers, 16-14, to and just your classic finish, right? Less than a touchdown, less than a field goal in a game that came down to the final moments. Welcome into our instant reaction episode here on the Ravens Vault podcast. I'm Bobby Trossett alongside my partner and co-host Sarah Ellison, also simulcasting this on YouTube and Facebook as well. Thanks so much for being with us and partner before we get into really the smash mouth football and takeaway football from the Ravens defense that really won them this game to give you an idea of just how wild this rivalry game was this game saw four quarterbacks over four quarters and this game saw a double pass interference call and a joint possession fumble so that's just gives you a sense right off the top. This was different. This was hard fought. This was unique. It's Raven Steelers. What else did you expect? Yeah, I didn't have on my bingo card, Mitch Trubisky <laughs> and Anthony Brown finishing the game. I mean, that was just, just wild. But listen, this is, this is one of those wins. We, we don't like the way the Ravens keep winning, but they keep winning. And today more so than other days, more so than other wins, like you take a win in December in Pittsburgh without Lamar Jackson, 
by any means necessary. There's there's no complaining about this win. Now, there's still plenty to fix and plenty for us to address. But you take this win. I mean, you take a Pittsburgh win if Lamar Jackson's in there. I mean, you just – this this is one of those where you throw out the record books and you just play physical football. And we saw that, which is why, to your point, we saw four different quarterbacks. You know, it was yeah. just people were being – pounded Roquan Smith pounded uh Kenny Pickett on on that sack that was started by Patrick Queen and and oh my gosh Tyler Huntley took a pounding when he ran an um an option run there um I let me just get off my chest Bobby I cannot stand watching these games on Sunday ticket I cannot get any replays. So unless it's a scoring play or a turnover, I can never get back to the replays. So I wanted to see a lot of people are calling foul for the way uh, Tyler Huntley was hit. I haven't been able to see a replay yet. Maybe you saw it, but um, we'll, I did. we'll be told that I did. in a minute. You did. Okay. Yeah. I mean, hey, you're a runner at that point. You're a runner. Yeah. And he yeah. got crunched pretty good there. So that's why the unnecessary roughness uh, flag that was thrown was picked up because he was a runner. And that's something that we'll get into because I've seen you tweet about this now multiple weeks in a row and the difference between Lamar and Tyler, right? Everybody that wants to compare these two from a stylistic standpoint, I think there's merit to that. But there are some key differences. And essentially avoiding big hits and not taking big hits is one of the key differences in, in the way that Lamar is just so incredibly elusive. So we'll get to that in just a bit. One thing that, that I think we should get to right off the top is something that we've been waiting for for a long time. And that's smash mouth football for these Baltimore Ravens, meaning smash mouth football that wins them games. And for the first time since the regular season finale in the 2020 campaign, the backfield today saw Gus and J.K. both active, both healthy, and John Harbaugh talked about the ground game just moments ago. I mean, the running game was it, Cliff. I mean, the running game was what we needed in this game, and, and you know, 215 yards, a uh, bunch of yards in the uh, in the final drive there. I think a seven minute and fifty seven minute fifty five second drive in the fourth quarter, mostly on the back of the run game. J.K. had 115 yards, 120 yards, uh, just uh, running good, and, and not just J.K. I mean. Let's look at Gus too. Let's look at that last. Let's look at that last first down, the two runs that Gus had. You know, those, those are tr tremendous runs. Um, and then getting it, he came around there on that 34 power like a freight train coming through there. And it was really well blocked. So, that 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 probably was as heroic a play as any. That's that series right there to get the first down, and to salt the game away. I'm probably as proud of those three plays as any in the whole game. Sarah, 215 rushing yards combined, and, and that's what we're used to seeing with this team, plus 200, you know, above 200 in the ground game category. And we'll hear from J.K. in just a bit. And the fact that he's not from – or I'm, I'm sorry, the fact that he's not anywhere close to 100%, that's scary. It is scary. It's scary for upcoming opponents. I mean, to uh, listen, the Ravens don't win this game – without the return of J.K. Dobbins. And we'll name some other people who, if they don't have them, the Ravens don't win this game. J.K. Dobbins changes this offense. And I said that when he first was back and clearly wasn't his total self. And I'm saying it again, and he's not his total self, although he's much better than he was the first time around that he tried to make a return. I mean, to put up 215 yards 
without Lamar Jackson, a lot of times Lamar's still the leading rusher. The Steelers are a good defense. Their offense isn't much. It's their defense that kind of keeps them around. They knew that the Ravens could only run the game or run the ball, especially in the fourth quarter when Anthony Brown was out there, and they couldn't stop it. J.K. Dobbins had, Bobby, amazing burst. Amazing burst. There were so many times where it was like you would blink and he was through the hole. It was just like he can yeah. read it and yeah. you got to give props to the offensive line too. But I mean, you would, he just like he sees it and boom, before the, the defense can collapse, he goes through. Now, we all saw it on that 44 yard run. I don't know if you have the clip of him talking about it. The 44 yard run, he's got daylight all the day all day by the way i have a cough and i've got a cough drop in so if you can see me <laughs> wrestling with it around we hear you sloshing that thing around uh, do what you got to so, do <laughs> it's either you hear it or or you get cough so i apologize i apologize <laughs> but i just felt a big coughing fit come on i got I had to put it in here so um it, no so we all saw it. he got caught and so my question was this is weird because the very next play he gets the touchdown driving in. So everybody was like, wait, is he hundred percent healthy? So talking to him afterwards, he's healthy. He said the moment he woke up from surgery, his knee felt better because there was so much pressure in there with scar tissue. So he said, they asked, why did you get caught? He goes, cause I'm not in shape yet. Okay. Fair enough. You just had another minor score scope on your knee. Let's give him a minute, a minute to get in shape. And as the game went on, Bobby, for my eyes, he kept getting smoother, smoother, and better and better. But the burst is there. That's what matters. And if it's all about just getting a football shape, hey, we can do that. We can do that real quick. Oh, heck yeah. And a lot of what you just referenced, we're going to hear from him right now. And he was his bubbly, happy-go-lucky self in the media. And that's a welcome sight this time of year for a guy that they have sorely, sorely missed in the backfield. Here's JK at the podium. Shoot, when I got out of surgery, uh, when I was walking, it felt way better. Like, as soon as I got out of surgery, when I woke up, I feel I felt so much pressure released, you know, and um, I knew it was going to be good. I knew it was going to be good. It's still getting better. And um, I'm just, I can only thank God because he was the reason why I even thought about doing it because uh, I wasn't, I, some people didn't want me to do it, you know, so, but I had to listen to God and he told me to do it. Woke me up out of my sleep, told me to get scoped. Really, really though, really though. And so I did it. And then now you see, first game back, did good with my offensive line. Hey, partner, if we ever get JK on, on the podcast, I'd like to know who didn't want him to get scoped. <laughs> we can get dig a little bit deeper like, on that. Yeah. Yeah, in the, in the future, when maybe Harbaugh, so. When Harbaugh announced it, he was saying, I wonder if, I wonder if Harbaugh was kind of against it because when he announced it, and again, Harbaugh will say he's not a doctor, so I wonder if the doctors were saying not to do it. Um, yeah. And then Harbaugh was repeating that because Harbaugh said, he goes, you know, sometimes you just have to work through that scar tissue. And he said, Dobbins is an impatient guy, so he wanted to go ahead and, and get it cut out. And so um feels like the wait was worth it. I don't know what would have happened other way around if he just maybe he would have broke through it. But he just he was he was so, so good, Bobby. And also. It, we can't not name that Ronnie Stanley was back out there. So the Ravens could both run left-handed and right-handed, meaning they could go left to right behind Stanley or Stanley or Powers would come around and pull and they would go right. They could bo do both ways. And then 
not just JK, but to have the combination with Gus. And as we know, it was that on that third down, uh, third down run there at the end of the fourth quarter when the, when the Pittsburgh Steelers kept calling timeouts, hoping to stop them on that third down, and then they could get the ball back and potentially win the game. Gus converted. That's what you have Gus the bus for is on third down. So it was this running game that completely saved the day without Kevin Zeitler. But obviously it does help that, that Ronnie Stanley was back in. I mean, it just, it just changes the offense completely. Yeah. And with that game ceiling run that you, you just mentioned there from Gus on, it came on third and three. It was down to the two minute warning. Of course, Steelers were out of timeouts. Ben Powers had the key block there on the right hand side. And let's give Giro some credit there. That was a great design. There was a little bit of a fake handoff there from Anthony Brown to do we remember who that was off the top of your, our heads? Oh uh, man, who was coming across? Was it Duvernay, Duvernay. perhaps? Duvernay. Anyway, I think it was, it was Duvernay. And, and so there was good flow, good design, and ultimately created enough confusion uh, to seal the win there. And man, uh, that, that was big, but specifically that offensive line, JK, of course, had to make sure that he gave some love to the boys up front. Cause they were clearing bodies all day. That's just a testament to our offensive line. You know, the offensive line was blocking so good and um, I can only, go as far as they go, you know, and um, they did a good job for me, you know, and um, I'm going to keep, keep having their back as well, you know, finding the holes that they make and things like that and, and making guys miss whenever I need to, to help them too, you know, so it's just a testament to all. They were there all day long. They really were. Yeah. And, and you're right. One player for one player to make such a difference in Ronnie's case, is just a testament to what he, where he is. Now, obviously we, we, they missed him the last several weeks with that ankle tweak, but he's a difference maker. Ronnie can do it all. Harbaugh said it after the game. Ronnie can do it all. He can pass protect. He can he can uh, run block, and he can pull. He was pulling on on a lot of those. Um, so uh, listen, if you're picking up 215 yards when everybody knows that's what you're going to do against a defense like this, I can't wait to get Kevin Zeitler and Lamar Jackson back in there. Like, come on, come on, and then. And by the way, you can still want the Greg Roman era to end uh, at the end of the season or some of you now. Um, you can still want that and give him credit for this game because, listen, he is at the heart of it a run game, a run game guru. That's what he is. So he looked good doing that today. You already mentioned the, the third down run and the play design that was on that. I got a little bit nervous, Bobby, because when Anthony Brown first came out and they were at the one yard line, he had him throw. Uh, Anthony was cool, calm and collected. He he converted there. And there was a couple times, like three plays in a row where he had Anthony running. And then that's when I tweeted. I was like, look, at that point in the game, J.K. Dobbins, I think, was averaging 11 carries. He finished or 11 yards per, per carry. I think he finished with uh, a little over eight or right at eight. At the time, J.K. Dobbins was averaging over five. And I'm like, and you got this undrafted rookie. Just pound the rock. And and Roman, he did. That's when he started doing it. He went back. He just kept pounding, pounding, pounding. And and that's and that's what won it. You just got to, like, drain the clock at that point. You got the lead. Just drain the clock. You don't need to do anything fancy but drain the clock. And you got the horses to do it. So I'm glad he called that game down the stretch. Yeah. You mentioned Kevin Zeitler during that answer. And we should note that 
going into this afternoon, he hadn't missed a snap on offense this year, and he had missed just one game since 2015. So you talk about durability and consistency, and he absolutely obviously has shored up the uncertainty and revolving door that was once the right guard position post Marshall Yonda. Uh, the Ravens elected to go with somewhat of a rotation there today between Ben Cleveland and Tristan Cologne. So uh, that seemed to work out okay for them. We'll see who, uh, hopefully for Zeitler's case, and I did actually, Cole Jackson sent a group message of us, uh, a little something, that, uh, an exchange that he had with Mrs. Zeitler, Sarah, Kevin's wife. And it's just he, she hopes that he's going to be back next week, essentially is what I don't want to get too, I don't know if he meant to, share that with me but nonetheless i just wanted maybe that's op, maybe that's optimistic um for next week sorry if that's not supposed to be out there cole Bobby but uh, the anyway. tea before thinking should i be spilling the tea <laughs> It's, I feel like it's like optimistic enough and a positive piece of news enough for next week that I could share it. But um, anyway, Cole will be knocking on the door pretty soon here. But so Tyler Huntley, Sarah, he this this game had to be won essentially or managed, we should say. We know the ground game won it. We'll get to the defense in just a bit because the takeaway game was absolutely an art and really a, a piece of artwork today. Um but the game was managed down the stretch by undrafted rookie out of Oregon, Anthony Brown, after Tyler Huntley exited the game in the third quarter after taking a, a pretty big hit there from Minka Fitzpatrick. He went into concussion protocol as Kenny Pickett did in the first half after the hit and the sack by Roquan Smith. So there were so many in interchangeable parts. There was a lot happening at all times, but. John Harbaugh did express optimism and hope that Tyler Huntley will be ready to go by next week. We all know that Lamar Jackson's continuing to deal with that one to three week timeline for the PCL sprain. But Sarah, as we both know, if they keep winning games, they're going to continue to to kind of push his timetable back, you would think. Lamar Jackson's? I mean, I would if he's not 100%, right? Uh, I mean, maybe. I mean, listen, um... You have that option. Adam Schefter already reported that Lamar is expected to be back for the Christmas Eve game against the Falcons. Um, so that's where we're at there. I mean, who knows? Again, players' bodies are not machines. To me, if it were September or October, maybe even November, it's like, you know, yeah, let's let's not rush him back. And I'm not saying to rush him back, but J.K. Dobbins isn't 100% there. So – you know what I mean? Like Gus Edwards, when he came back, didn't look a hundred percent to me. So that's kind of, there's kind of a give and take there though, but we're, we're talking middle December now. So, you know, what are you saving for? So, you know, I, I don't know that Lamar, I remember Lamar trying to force his way back last year. Right. He like, I think we all saw those practice videos and uh, he was limping out there and the, and the doctors and the coaches had to shut him down. I don't think Lamar is going to want to take much more time. Um, but but sure, to your point, if there's like any sort of gray area and Tyler Huntley and Anthony Brown picks up this win and then another division win and then say come Christmas Eve, Lamar's iffy, then sure, you could play it safe. Um, but, but something tells me Lamar's going to want to push himself to be back here and he's going to want to get into a groove with his offense become before January come playoff time. Um, but yeah, in no way do we, are we trying to rush Lamar back? Um, I will say with Tyler Huntley, 
listen, we're always going to have his back. We're going to have whoever's back uh, for whoever's going to be, you know, taking these snaps, um, whether it's Anthony Brown or Tyler Huntley. But he is not Lamar Jackson. I know, yeah. I know with Lamar's contract, we all kind of like want to tell ourselves maybe, maybe, maybe if Lamar, you know, wants to leave and wants to be traded or whatever. Um, he's just not. He's just not. And and in so many ways, like he, you know, granted there was some pressure there, but he missed a wide open Mark Andrews, which you know Lamar would never miss a wide open Mark Andrews. He does. He yeah. Mark, Mark Andrews when he's in quadruple coverage, you know, uh, but completely misses him. And then and then there is there's just a difference. Like Lamar, the way he reads the runs, he knows he knows when to hand it off and when to take it. He knows how to get out of bounds. And even when he gets out of bounds, he seems to always get those first downs, whereas Huntley would, like, put his body in it, try to get the first down, and would, and would come up short. And, you know, Huntley is more of a rhythm guy, dink and dunk. And it, and it was, you know, it's refreshing to see him get the ball out fast, but that's about it. You know what I mean? That's about it that's refreshing. Like, you can't wait. You can't, you can't wait for Lamar to get back. I mean, it just – it is. It's just like J.K. Yeah. Yeah. Lamar changes it. There's just – it's just night and day, and I love Huntley as the backup, but you know he's not he's not number eight. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I thought there were two plays specifically today before Snoop went down that really kind of uh, magnified the differences between the two of them. You already referenced one of them when Mark was wide open for what would have been a walk-in touchdown on that swing pass instead to Kenyon Drake. Yeah, there there was some. There, there were some issues in protection there and it kind of flushed Tyler off to the right side, but man, Mark was Mark knew it too, right away. So obviously the connection between Snoop and 89, isn't the same exact way, uh, you know, the, the strength of, of what Lamar and, and him have, and they had to settle for a field goal there. The other one was just some mechanical stuff, bobbling the ball uh, when they were stopped on fourth and one, uh, it looked like he was trying to get it to Duvernay. There was some confusion there. It ended up hitting off of Ben Cleveland's arm to begin with with so again operational mechanical stuff there that you'd like to think would be polished when Lamar's in there those were the two plays that stuck out to me but I, I love his tempo I love his um his ability to get quick passes out of the pocket we know he's a pretty good decision maker when it he made a couple key decisions today that he just threw out of bounds when nothing was there or he took what the defense gave him and picked up some chunk plays I mean he ended up having nine carries for 31 yards and a long of 11 so while he does have some some growth and areas of improvement when it comes to decision making of protecting his body in those you know kind of uh, the, the the bang bang plays that ultimately knocked him out of this game because uh, he was a runner in that moment when when Minka Fitzpatrick crunched him there um, I, I still liked what I saw from him and and again like we talk about every week that we see him he's more than serviceable and I think at some point whether it's in Baltimore or not I, I think you will see him get a chance get a shot at being a full season. A starting quarterback. Yeah, and I would still way prefer Huntley over Anthony Brown, right? Um, so, so yeah. So let's hope that Harbaugh is correct in that you know he's citing those states backwards, you know, and those, and and hopefully the con concussion isn't, you know, a big deal. So, uh, yeah, Huntley finished. What, what what did you say? He got knocked out? Was it the middle of the third quarter? 
at some point in the third quarter was that bang bang play with Fitzpatrick. And okay. I believe he immediately went to the, the medical tent at first. He was listed as questionable. Mm -hmm. The designation took a little while though. And it was kind of like, okay, is he going to come back in? And they ultimately ruled him out in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So he finished with three and a half, I guess, quarters, nine attempts, only 31 yards. That's an average of 3.4 yards per pass. It's nothing great. He had, um, uh, excuse me, I was just reading his rushing. His rushing was nine attempts for 31 yards. Um, so again, not like Lamar. Lamar, when he runs, it's like nine-yard average, right? So nine nine rushes for 31 yards. Then his passing, it was he was eight of 12 for 88 yards. So no, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Had the fumble. I, I don't know who to put that fumble on. I kind of, I kind of um uh, like it, I kind of want to chalk it up to one of those like freak plays because you know we watching the the replay. I mean, you know, Cleveland is just going to you know they're all going to the left to do their blocking and it, I don't know it's just one of those plays where it was like it's not going to happen all the time. I don't know to, to put it on Huntley, put it on Cleveland or whatever, but it was just it was just a botched play, you know, just one of those unfortunate botched plays. So I don't know that I can come down too hard on on any one of them, even though it was completely unfortunate. So, um, so anyway, good news that he seems like he's okay, but, but you never know if these concussion protocols will, we'll have to follow that. Um, but, but just to point out on the, on the offense, we already said he doesn't have much of a connection with, with Mark Andrews yet, but also Duvernay completely disappeared today. And, you know, we had covered this in one of the morning vaults. Jeff Zrebeck had already pointed out that he was wondering if something was wrong with, with Duvernay because in his eyes and he wasn't hitting like, you know, when he would have those jet sweeps, he wasn't hitting the corner like he usually does. He, had, he hadn't been returning the ball as he usually does. He was settling for these, um, you know, just, just letting the ball hit and go into the end zone or fair catches or whatever. And then today – he was taken out of the returns. Justice Hill was was back there on the kickoff. So, um, you know, who knows? Who knows what's going on with Duvernay there? He had one target today. One target, no catches. He had no rushes. And um, I have to look up his returns, but, but he got taken out of the return game too. Sarah, he's been a non-factor for weeks now, unfortunately. There were times at points th this season, directly after Rashad went down, that you were thinking, oh, may maybe this dude is going to be that guy while he's down, and he'll kind of prove everybody wrong. And unfortunately, that just hasn't been the case. You're right. Not only has was he taken out of the his role as a return specialist, but he get, again, he was just a non-factor in the passing game. So that'll be something to look out for. I don't... I didn't see him laboring. I haven't heard anything throughout the week at practice. So um, you get the sense that there may not be anything there and it might just be a coaching decision, but we don't want to speculate too much. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't on the injury report that I can recall. So I don't know. I don't know, but he, he, he hasn't been himself. So what, why don't we flip things over? Unless you have anything else on offense, you want to flip over to the defense? I had one more quick note on the offense, and that was the fact that, and, and I love this, I, I got to take this, uh, give credit to Matt Wise for those of you who follow him on Twitter. He tweeted out essentially like, the Ravens offensive line should take that decision to kick it deep uh, personally. Of course, he's referencing the Steelers' decision to pass on an onside kick with two minutes and 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter, right? They decided to kick it deep, and they were like, 
daring the Ravens run, ground game, which they hadn't been able to stop previously to beat them. And what did they do? They did it. And we already referenced the specific play there on third and three uh, down at the two minute warning. And, and, and Greg Roman dialed it up and Greg Roman uh, or Greg Roman and Gus Edwards finished it with the key block there from Ben Powers. So I just thought it was an impressive afternoon from an offensive line that uh, again, uh, as a fivesome hadn't played together yet this year in regular season football. And Ronnie was just returning. There was a rotating cast of characters at right guard between Cleveland and Cologne. And, um, you know, they did what they needed to, to, to do to win today. And the Steelers really had no answer. And that's why you end up with 215 yards uh, on the ground. So uh, that's that's solid moving forward. But I can I can kind of see Tomlin, though, on that where it's like, you know, it's not the onside kick is not a high percentage kick, obviously, of, of, of recovering. And with Justin yeah. Tucker, with Justin Tucker on the other side and you're giving them the ball, you know, midfield then all of a sudden the Ravens don't have to go anywhere. Then it becomes a um, a field goal right away, and now they can't just do a, a, do a field goal on their end. They got to go the distance. So, um, But if you're an offensive lineman, yeah, that's the mentality you want to have. Like, oh, the disrespect, you know. Like, it, it, as a player, you want to look for the disrespect everywhere because it just motivates you, you know. So, but from a coaching perspective, I get, I get why Don, Tomlin did what he did. All right, on to the defense, like you said, because we've been streaming now for close to 28 minutes and we haven't mentioned these guys. The art of the takeaway is front and center yet again, Sarah. And uh, it came in the form of interceptions today. Three total from this Ravens defense. Mitch Trubisky came in, as we mentioned, in relief of Kenny Pickett, who left the game in concussion protocol. By the way, Kenny, and this is a, a weird league trend that we've seen this year with some inconsistencies or ups and downs uh, within the league's concussion protocol, but he he cleared it initially right after the Roquan Smith sack he comes out it's a stalled drive goes back he must have started um, experiencing symptoms again goes back into concussion protocol doesn't clear it ends up being taken out for the game it's a really weird weird thing there I'm not a doctor um, we should probably get your husband in here to, to help <laughs> us clarify that but uh, but nonetheless that's what happened there but Yet again, Sarah, the, the defense, we'll get to the missed tackles and some of that lack of polish in just a bit. But the turnovers after a year that was in 2021 where they were not present, they've certainly, they're, they're center stage now. Dude, it is all about the turnovers. It's, it's so, I, I just can't wrap my mind around this Ravens defense with, with some of the things here. Like, first of all, to have three turnovers and a blocked field goal. Okay, that's a lot. That's a lot in one game to come up with that. I mean, that is massive. I just don't get, I just don't get, it's it's like as soon as the offense extends into a two-possession lead, it's like they almost feel obligated to make it a close game again. I, I do not understand. Like it happened in the first half because the offense took an early lead and then they go right down and let them, you know, did they score on that one? Yeah. Yeah, and then they and then they did it again in the fourth quarter. And and they let it happen with Mitch Trubisky 75 yards in 49 seconds. Like what? This isn't this isn't Patrick Mahomes, Bobby. This isn't Josh Allen. This isn't 
Tua Tungavailoa with Cheetah and Jalen Waddle. Like, this is Mitch Trubisky with an with a Pittsburgh offense that has gotten almost nothing done. I, I just don't I just don't understand it. I I I like it just is like without fail. And the times that they have been able to make the stops, it's because of the turnovers. And that's their saving grace. And it's a massive saving grace, right? Like if you're going to be good at something on defense, interceptions is where it's at. Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen, they are insane. They are insane together. I love them so much together from the way they attack the run together, the way they defend and cover the middle of the field together, the way – one person starts a sack and then the other one finish it. And then one guy gets an interception. The other guy gets an interception. Like it's as if they've been buds since they were five. You know what I mean? Like the way they just yeah. root each other on. It just is like, I love these two guys together and I don't know what's going to happen, but boy, do you want to keep them together for a long, long time? Sarah, each one of those guys finished with uh, six total tackles combined. Uh, I should say each three. They each had uh, three solo tackles. Roquan had a sack, which was initially started by, like you said, by Patrick. Roquan came in to finish it. Roquan had a tackle for loss. He had a QB hit. Patrick had a QB hit as well. And they're just, they're flying around and they bring out the best in one another. And we haven't even mentioned, I mean, both of them had like star studded highlight caliber interceptions where they, in Roquan's case, he literally came out like of the right hand side of the camera, just flying in there, jumping the route and sticky hands. And I think Patrick's might've been actually the interception of the year for this team, just in terms of the, the glue that it took to bring that thing in. And, and Harb's made sure to get up there post game and say, listen, I don't want any of you probably looking at the, the media that were present and also the fan base and maybe even us too. Cause we've certainly dragged Patrick, some of which, you know, earlier on in the season or whatever, nobody's talking about his hands anymore. And he's damn right. Cause that thing was absolutely, I mean, it was, that was, a, that was a web gem kind of play as they say in baseball. Well, I think it was also to his teammates. Cause he said, he said it in the locker room and I'm pretty sure I've seen, I've heard uh, Patrick Queen talk about how his te- teammates have been ribbing him and giving him a hard time for dropping um, easy interceptions earlier this season. Easy interceptions. So um, I think Quinn was Queen was making that declaration to his own his own teammates. And then we talked about returning players making an impact on this team: J.K. Dobbins and and um, Ronnie Stanley. And then on the defensive side, it was Marcus Williams. Um, he just, it just seems like he's good for like an interception a game. You know what I mean? It's not completely that obviously, but that's the way it feels sometimes. He just, he just covers so much of the field, uh, can anticipate things, can, can close, close a gap. He's just, he's just so fast and so good. Um, so that's the good news of the Ravens secondary, but our boy Marlowe, Bobby, we were, we were uh, praising him leading up to this week, talking about how he's had a Pro Bowl season, and he has. But this one, this one was a little bit of a stinker for him. Yeah, it was. And we were touting him 
deservingly so going into this one. I read out a bunch of stats in the game preview uh, in single coverage. He had been electric and uh, just locked down entering today. And, you know, sometimes in this league, you get humbled a little bit. It doesn't always happen. Uh, You know, veterans don't always get humbled by rookies, but that is what happened today. George Pickens, who we also talked about at length in our preview conversation with Brooke Pryor from ESPN. He had made some headlines in recent days, recent weeks because of essentially how badly he wanted the football and and how uh, he wanted a bigger workload and and, and all that like T.O. kind of drama stuff that we know that happens with with diva wide receivers. He's far from a diva, by the way. This dude is is legit. And he did in a number of plays today kind of have Marlon's number. He was, first of all, there's a size difference there and George took advantage of it. You can talk about the DPI being phantom or whatever. Marlon was in a tough place there. That can go either way, whatever that's, that happens. But there were several times where Marlon got caught, um, whether it was just trying to turn his body around or simply just getting beat by George and he made him pay. And and Pickens is one of the best young wide receivers in today's game. One of the best rookie wide receivers. I know there's a lot of folks in Baltimore country that would have wished this guy, uh, you know, wished that this guy ended up as a Raven. But uh, again, that happens as a cornerback. He was on an Island a little bit and he got, he paid for it today. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And on the other side, um, Marcus Peters, he, there's times where with him, uh, you just, you love the fire from him and the swagger from him and you never want to lose that, but you also want to like control it. And so, there was one play, I can't remember which receiver, clearly pushed off on him. He definitely did, and it kind of made him slip a little bit, and it got the first down. And they didn't they didn't throw the flag. They should have. It was definitely a push off on, on the receiver. And what my problem is, is that he's complaining while the play is still going. <clears throat> yeah. And and it's like he did that before when he thought he 
he got somebody. I'm going to let you talk, Bobby. I got a, I got a cough here. Go ahead and finish what I'm yeah, talking Yeah, go ahead. About. Go ahead. Because yeah. Marcus. Yeah, no, I mean, what, what what's happened with Marcus in recent weeks now, they're actually starting to pile up a little bit, is is some of his gambling or some of his, and, and what you were just referencing, sort of not giving up on the play, but starting to kind of put his hands up in a sense. Like, dude, yeah. the, the play is still ongoing. What what are you doing? And, and so you start to see some attitude stuff there with, with Marcus. Uh, and we know, we, we want to mention every time that we kind of pick apart Marcus's game that he is in the aftermath of, of a torn ACL. But to be honest with you, Sarah, that only goes, you know, that only goes so long. I mean, I feel like to me, that's an early on in the season type of conversation. And I know that you know, we can talk about how different Saquon Barkley was from a burst and acceleration standpoint in the second year after he got back from his torn ACL. But there's also an age difference there too. Juice band has been, been around uh, a long while. So um, yeah, th- some, some gambling that hasn't gone his way has made him look um, a little lost in recent weeks. Yeah, I, yeah, and I can live with the gambling and if there is if there is him not being smooth because of the ACL, I can live with that too. It's more like, like I said, the the complaining while the play is still going. And that had happened in another game yeah. where he complained about it. And so all the Ravens players just gave up. Like, go and talk to the refs after the play. After the play. And then the other one where he hurt his team, and again, it's understandable, but it's still not smart football where the Steeler defender or offensive player – had a cheap shot on him clear. And it was right in front of the ref too. There was like a cheap shot. Johnson. It might've been, it might've been. And so like, of course, Peters isn't going to let that go, but the refs are always going to get the retaliating player. And that, that gave 15 yards and put the Steelers in, in the red zone, which is huge in a game where it's all about possession and field position. And so it's like, it was the same thing we were saying before too about chewing out players or coaches and stuff. It's like, it's just like, I, you love the fire, but it's gotta be somewhat directed and focused, you know, places. And so, um, so while Marlon's over here getting cooked uh, for, for one game and, and here's Marcus Peters just like yelling at refs and fighting everything. And it's just like, focus, focus on the game and talk to the refs after do what you got to do later. Talk, go talk trash with, if it was, if it was Deontay Johnson, go get him later, like pay him back late. Like just be smart about it. Be smart about it. I guarantee you there's, there's plays all the time where, where players could be ticked off and angry. And it's just like, don't hurt your team while you're doing it. Yeah. We haven't even mentioned, by the way, speaking of emotions and, and behavioral trends that we've seen for Marcus, uh, he was, he was flagged for an unsportsmanlike personal foul uh, that cost the Ravens 15 yards. And while he didn't, I believe, I don't believe he started it. He retaliated. And as we know, you know, okay. Can, can you point at the officials for, for missing the initial point of contact there and, and the one who started it? Sure. But as we know, like there's so many things that are happening in a game in an NFL game, and there's only so many officials out there. And to me, you got to be experienced enough and and have your emotions in check enough. I know it's a rivalry game and whatnot, but you've been around this league a long time. You cannot retaliate. You just cannot afford to be giving up chunk yards like that. And in this case, it was 15 on a, on a, on sportsman like. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of just like big picture on it, Bobby with this defense. I can't call this defense elite until they can finish games. 
you know, just, just big picture. Like uh, it's awesome that you held Pittsburgh to 14. We knew it was going to be a low scoring game. So in the end, they did their job. They did their job with the interceptions. Um, They kept them to a low scoring game, but until you can finish, we can't call you elite. And, and I know it's a lot of pressure on them. I know that they're feeling it. I know that they want to, but it's, it's just like every time. And I don't know, I don't know if it's maybe we can get an X's and O's kind of person on here. If they're thinking that McDonald's maybe putting them in the wrong position, although it's not McDonald who had, as you said, the, the personal foul penalty that went 15 yards. It's not McDonald who, um, you know, is getting cooked like Marlon was Marlon, you know, just got cooked. So, um, but it just seems like every week it's it's when they when they let these guys come back it's in the secondary. I mean obviously the this this the pass rush needs to get there too. But it's like I love you three and a half quarters of the game, but the last half quarter, you know, we got to see it more consistently uh and until we do, we just can't call them elite yet, at least I won't. I would agree and that probably leads us, and don't worry, we'll get to big number 93 in just a bit in his game-changing play. I know a lot of you are, are asking for Calais in the comments section right now during our live stream, which reminds me, if you are on YouTube, please like the video. If you haven't already done so, it allows us to uh, kind of send this kind of Ravens content out to other folks who maybe haven't discovered us yet. So we'd love for you to do that. But uh, you know, Ravens tackling, Sarah, has been – it's – it's come and gone. It's certainly come and gone when it comes to taking the right angles, when it comes to dealing with, um, you know, playmakers in space. And there was one specific drive that I know we, we both grabbed Jeff's Jeff Zerebek's tweet from the athletic and threw it in our post game script that we work off of. And he essentially said, this is in the second half Ravens tackling has been atrocious on this drive. Owe misses that one. Uh, Bowser missed a sack. Peters missed one. Yeah. And, and that was just one drive. So yeah, they it's, it's the angles. Yes. But it's also the, the footwork and the discipline. And at times this year hasn't been good enough. Yeah. I mean, some of them are different for different reasons. Sometimes it's in the secondary when they're constantly trying to punch the ball out, which like you're, you're, I'm here for a nice punch out, but my goodness, you got to get the tackle. You got to get the tackle. You yeah. got to wrap up some, I mean, uh, yeah. Tyus Bowser missed a, just like flew over or whatever, just slipped off of Trubisky. He did get a sack later. So that was nice. Um, but, but yeah, it's just so frustrating. It's so frustrating when little things like that pop up because it happened early in the year and then you, and then it goes away for a couple of games and it comes back and it's just like, that's kind of fundamental to defense make the tackle. And if you're not, if you, if you miss the tackle a couple of times going for the punch out, you know, unfortunately you got to stop going for the, for the punch out, especially what I hate it when they do it when it's five yards short of the sticks that happened today where it was like, they stopped yeah. him short of the first down. So just make the tackle. Yeah. Yeah. So let's shift gears here though, because I think, you know, when you talk about, Hall of Fame players, when you talk about just locker room guys, Calais Campbell always comes to mind. John Harbaugh did call him a Hall of Fame player, by the way, in his post-game speech. But uh, the fact that he was able to get 
a hand on that 40 yard field goal attempt from Chris Boswell there in a key moment in the game, his ninth of his storied career, Sarah, of course the six, eight frame, don't get me wrong. That helps. That helps. But here he is on that specific call. There were some things that had to happen pre-snap that put him in that position. Yeah, speaking of coaching, uh, uh, coach called pretty much audible. You know, or, uh, Chris Horton uh, came to me on the sideline, and it was like, "Hey, I'm gonna switch it up." You know, I know we didn't practice it, but I want you to get an A gap, and uh, you know, and kind of you know try to swim, uh, swim on the on the uh, on the snapper. And uh, you know, uh, we did it last year against them, but I mean, I haven't worked on that since last year. But you know, uh, it was a good call. You know, uh, he kicked the ball. You know, right, I had a good chance to get up there and get it. Got my left hand on it. And, uh, you know, it was a good feel, good feeling. Big number 93, Calais Campbell, again, somehow found a way to get a hand on that Boswell field goal attempt. And uh, nice of him to give some credit there to special teams coordinator Chris Horton, who we don't often talk about, one of the league's uh, youngest coaches at his position. But at that point, Ravens were able to take over possession there on the 30, holding a 13 to seven lead. And then you can, it's one of those things where, you know, it was going to be big, but not until after the game, you don't realize that it's ultimately a game saving game defining play from Calais. Yeah. When it's, when the final score is 16, 14, you know, the, the, that field goal <laughs> yeah. block turns out to be kind of a big deal. According to ESPN stats and info, uh, no one has blocked more field goals than Campbell over the last 15 years. And it's by a lot. Clay's Campbell's had nine. Mm. Julius Peppers is second at five, so almost half. Um, uh, so, so there you go. I mean, he's he's you know giving being nice and giving credit to to Chris Horton, and I'm sure it had something to do with it. But when you got nine, you know, it has something to do with you too. Uh, and I just noticed, I thought uh, Jonah Schaefer over at the Baltimore Sun made made a astute point. This kind of brings it back to the quarterbacks real quick. Uh, but basically when John Harbaugh was talking about hot Huntley, he kind of confirmed what I just said about Adam Schefter saying that Lamar Jackson would be back after the, the Browns game. Because when, when Harbaugh was talking about him, he's like, Oh yeah, Huntley will be back next week. Huntley will be back next week. You know, not even like, <laughs> not even like not thinking in the moment that he's got to pretend that Lamar could be back, you know, which was of course the coaching yep. game he was playing when he was like, well, He's likely out this time, but but maybe next time, you know. And it's like, well, you just you just gave it away. <laughs> so. So, I'm, I'm talking to him right now. I, yeah, listen, I can't speak on to it, but he seems good to me. He's reciting the months of the year backwards. Can you do that right now? No, I can't. Okay. Yeah, so, <laughs> so uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. He's got to trust the docs on that, and they'll do a good job with it. And whatever it is, it is. I mean, if Tyler can go, he'll be there, and Anthony will be backing him up. If he can't go, Anthony will be there playing, and, and Brent will be backing him up. So we'll go with what we got. And uh, I promise you, everybody in that locker room trusts everybody we got. That's part of what he had to say there, John Harbaugh, when asked about Tyler Huntley's status, who, again, had to leave the game with a having gone into concussion protocol, ultimately was listed initially as questionable and then uh, finally ruled out. So, yeah, you're, you're right, though, partner, like Harv's in his best moments in terms of being at the podium isn't in the days leading up to the game isn't in the Wednesday sort of like injury report that he's got to give all that good stuff. It's the moments that are raw, emotional, and literally minutes after winning, you know, a, a, a 
just a, a down to the wire game in a, in a hostile environment. His voice is hoarse. He's emotional. That's when he's going to be an open book. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Especially after a win, for sure. For sure. You can also get him. There's some days. There's some days when Harbaugh comes to the podium. It's just like today. If I have, if I had like a risky question, and he's coming mad. I'm going to save that for the day that he's happy because there's there are days. It depends on the day. Some days he'll like, all right, fine, I'll answer that one, okay, and. And we'll go off. So, yeah, that's definitely one of them. Um, I was just looking at comments here. John was asking if we caught that some people didn't want him to get the scope, JK. We already talked about that. I felt like Harbaugh was one of them that didn't necessarily want him to get it just based off the way he he explained it. And um, somebody else here is saying that that I got to give a halftime speech. That might go viral. Where, where's, why aren't we highlighting that one here, Bobby? <laughs> I put it up during the Calais thought and I thought oh, to myself, I, well, I don't know if it was the same comment, but, but yeah, a few folks were hopping on the idea of you sort of getting into the locker room and, you know, getting in some guys faces, which I think as a coach, which you are, you coach your kids in hoops, uh, put me in that one place. Yes. That's a favor. That's a vote for me for sure. And, uh, everybody's kind of hopping on this idea of you getting, look at this. I mean, the comments are flying in about, about your motivational speaking. So, uh, yeah, What's I'm so in on funny, that. Bobby? Is I is this bad? I was threatening my I was threatening my eighth graders yesterday. I was I just was like, if you guys are not running to the spot for your play, if you're not getting rebounds, I was like, you're out of the game. You're out of the game. Like I was like, did I go too hard on the eight, your, the eighth graders? But <laughs> you gotta bring the fire. Yeah. We did win. We went three for three yesterday. All three of my kids' teams won, so we're good. <laughs> Hey, son, you see that chair at the bottom of the bench right there? It's cold and lonely. You're going to have your buttocks sitting on the bottom of that if you're not careful. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hey, you know, I, I do have a couple more special teams notes as much as I want to talk about your, yeah. your inspirational yeah, no, speech let's, let's giving. And, and, Sorry about that. Let's get back to what we're stuff. talking about here. I definitely want to get a camera, like maybe like a webcam or, or some sort of uh, selfie stick that one of your players can attach to you or it's just so we can watch you in your, uh, you know, court side. I can just see that. I can just see it now. Honestly, there, there's a certain section of the court you can't go past, which is right in front of the, the scorers table. I'm not sure if it in youth basketball, if they have the nope, line that's it, that's like they it. do in college, but you cannot go past that. And something tells me you hover over that line all game long, don't you? Especially in the oh, fourth quarter. I get on the court a few times per game. <laughs> for sure for sure yeah. i got i got things to communicate here bobby amazing amazing a couple right, more special teams, teams notes yeah. here yeah so uh, first and foremost we'll, we'll of course get to the milestone that, that justin tucker achieved but m one of my earliest notes was uh, former raven miles boykin kind of putting a huge hit stick laying out devin duvernay on that opening kickoff and it just sort of set the tone for what would become you know a super physical rivalry game but by the way if anybody was wondering what what miles has been up to he's been a complete non-factor in Pittsburgh and uh, I can't say I'm all that surprised he's a valuable special teamer to them like he was in Baltimore but ultimately his career as a wide receiver is just not panning out in the NFL yeah I was gonna say as much as he set the tone early it wasn't enough to make me wish that we got him back now Chris Wormley on the other hand that one's one that you're like all right he's gone on and had a pretty good little career for himself but yeah Miles Boykin I wasn't I wasn't it didn't make me want to have him back. We're good. <laughs> and that's Unfortunately saying something because the wide Chris, receiver though, crew is not doing much. 
I know. I know. Unfortunately for Chris, though, he got carted off and was immediately ruled out of the game. So, you know, he, he always saves his best games for when he's playing Baltimore. So unfortunately for him, it looks like he's got a serious injury. But the aforementioned GOAT, Justin Tucker, is now the Ravens all time scoring leader. Today, he snapped the great Matt Stover's previous record with a 42 yard field goal in the first quarter. At the point, at that point, Tucker had over 1,400 total points, 1,466 to be exact, which moved him past again the great Matt Stover with 1,464. So yet again, another added layer to that already Hall of Fame resume, if you ask us, for for Justin Tucker. I mean, he's now literally the goat in Baltimore. Like literally, not a yeah. goat. He is the goat. Um, with, with coming up with that. And what's funny is he has <clears throat> plenty of years left, plenty of years left. How old is Justin Tucker? He, I mean, he can't be old. And 32, 32, I believe. 33. This is his 11th. Okay. This is his 11th NFL season, by the way. So guy's yeah, been around for a little be bit. Playing, he's going to be playing into his forties. Right. I mean, come on. Like he could play, I mean, who knows when people, you know, at least 40, he's got seven, seven more years till he's 40 and he already has the, the franchise record. Yeah. Yeah. He's not, if he wants to, if he wants to, if he wants to. So, Hey, let's take a look around the division and the AFC playoff picture partner while we're at it. You know, obviously the, the four twenty five games as we currently are simulcast this and, and stream this are, are on. So, you know, we won't go too, too far, but we know the Ravens uh, continue to stay atop the AFC North. They're now nine and four overall. Cincinnati also won today. They beat Cleveland nine and four. They are as well with a 23 to 10 victory over the Browns. So Deshaun Watson has, you know, been back. He's back now for two weeks, but he's now one and one hasn't made an overnight difference. Like some speculated he might. And so that's really all the games that we have to talk about since both teams, you know, all four teams played each other essentially. So it's nine and four, nine and a four for Baltimore and Cincy at the top followed by Cleveland and, and Pittsburgh being five and eight overall. So it's kind of working out to how we expected this division to be, but that doesn't mean that either one of those teams at the bottom may not be capable of playing spoiler alert in a couple of weeks from now. Yeah. I mean, um, that's why this was so important today. It was so important today to get that win is there. The Bengals aren't going to stop. They're not going to start, stop nipping at the, the Ravens heels. It's just going to keep coming and coming and coming. So all you got to do that's different from last year. We're already off to a different start, right? When, when Lamar went down, Ravens proceeded to go on, what was it, a five-game losing streak? And um, th like Tyler Huntley was in an almost impossible position because not only are you coming in as, as a backup, but he had almost nobody around him. I mean, the whole team was practically injured. And so this year he has – by the way, this is as healthy as the defense is going to get. This is as healthy as it's going to get. So so this can't be, oh, somebody was missing or whatever. This is, this is as healthy as they're going to get. So he had a healthy defense, which really helped him out. Uh, obviously with the, the three turnovers and then the block field goal on special teams. Um, and, and he had a running game with him. And so the Ravens can barely survive. Somebody had tweeted to me, 
See, they, they prove that they can win without Lamar. And it's like, uh-uh, uh-uh. That's that's the wrong answer because the Ravens aren't going to get three interceptions and a block field goal every week. And this was against Pittsburgh, not against Kansas City or some of these elite dogs. So uh, so this game, this win was huge. The, the Bengals next week, they'll have the Buccaneers with Tom Brady, who they're coming alive. Um Patriots, they'll they'll be able to beat, and then they've they've got Bills and then Ravens, so they still got a ways to go. But are they the underdog in any of those? I don't know. I don't think so. So the Ravens just got to keep it up, just keep surviving till number eight gets back. And and here's the to do list. Here's the to do list this week. Learn how to tackle again. Right, we can do that. Learn how to tackle. Huntley and Lamar keep getting better. Zeitler come back. All right, you do those things. You can, you're gonna win, you can win again against Cleveland and just keep staying ahead. And then hopefully number eight's back against the Falcons. And then and then this run game can really come alive with Lamar and Zeitler back with these guys that they got. Crazy too. You, you said Bucks are coming alive and they have been in recent weeks. But as we tape as as we currently air this, they're certainly anything but alive right now. They're uh, they're down three touchdowns to Brock Purdy in San Francisco, twenty one nothing in the second quarter. But hey, it's a long game. It is a long game. And one note too, as you look ahead a few weeks to what would be the the week eighteen regular season finale between the Bengals and Ravens. Uh, Trey Hendrickson, who has wreaked havoc on Lamar Jackson and the Ravens in recent years, suffered a broken wrist in today's game, according to Ian Rappaport. He's expected to miss just a few weeks, maybe just a few weeks, because he played the fourth quarter with it, according to Rappaport. So this dude is a problem. He's been a problem for the Ravens uh, from a pressure sack standpoint. Uh, He controls the edge just valiantly for that team. And um, that'll be something to watch if if he'll be available or not in the regular season finale. Yeah, that's that's a huge one. That's a huge one. Bobby, before we close, I had just seen a couple of um, questions here. I especially we we kind of touched on this, but didn't go into it. John wanted to know what did we think of Harbs? Um, do y'all think Harbs should stop going for it on fourth down so much and taking three since we have the best kicker in the league? Um, the very first fourth down call I was nervous about because it was so deep in the Ravens' own territory, but he they converted that one. That one I was a little bit nervous about. The second one he went for, um, I was trying to always go back to where my state of mind was, you know, without the hindsight. I was for going on that one. That one was the one where it had the, the Cleveland hit Huntley's arm. So I saw people complaining about Roman's play call, and I'm like, but we didn't even get to see the play. You know, it was – it was fumbled. So I don't know. I don't know what happened there. And then there were plenty of uh, like national people who keep tabs on, on analytics. And some people hate hearing the word analytics, but um, he was actually criticized by them for not going more on fourth down. So, um, you know, in this game, it didn't end up biting them, but Harbs is aggressive. And for the most part, I like it for the most part. Um, but, but that doesn't mean I'm not sometimes nervous and there's been times where I've disagreed, but that first one made me super nervous. Cause if they didn't convert and you give Pittsburgh that short field, that to me was a risk I did. I wouldn't have taken. Yeah. I have one of those tweets that actually was criticizing him, uh, for 
let's see for not going for it. It's from Seth Walder. Uh, he tweeted, I realized this one. Yeah. I realized this one was a bit different of a situation with Huntley getting hurt, but John Harbaugh now has committed the two highest impact fourth down errors today uh, per whatever their model is. It's the two fourth and one punts that you referenced. They had a cumulative 4.4% winning percentage lost. I believe WP is winning percentage. Is that Okay. Yeah. I'd have to check. I'd have to check that acronym, but I assume it's winning percentage. So anyway, ultimately it didn't come back to kill them, but uh, based on their model, it wasn't exactly uh, very analytical friendly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it just goes against what John's saying. John wants it to see less and like the analytics are saying he should have gone more, which is interesting. Exactly. Exactly. Now, uh, a couple of people in the comments are talking about this too. And now I'm, I'm just seeing it on my Twitter deck. Debo Samuel, uh, star, star for kind of just a, a unicorn for San Francisco, was just carted off with an apparent leg injury in tears. So that's uh, uh, while he's not he's not in the AFC, we know how electric he is. And with San Francisco being a powerhouse, that's something to uh, to look out for. It's been a I rough couple of weeks I, for them too, losing Jimmy to that foot last week. And now they got now they got their star who's apparently gone down. So. Yeah, these guys put so much on the line. I, I mean, I get why they would be in tears. It's just, oh, that's too bad. I, I hope, I hope it's a Patrick Queen situation <laughs> where yeah. he, he, it looks terrible, but it turns out it wasn't. So we'll pray for that. And one other tweet that just came up, and then I'm sure we'll we'll, we'll close pretty soon here. Um, Marlon Humphrey agrees with our analysis on his play. <laughs> he just tweeted, "I was actually a liability today in coverage. Bad football <laughs> for sure." But we won, which means the show goes on. This is my home. Victory IG live in 15 minutes. So that's a perfect hey, you know what? for us. <laughs> you know what? Hey, t- I, I tip my cap to that. That That yeah. is, that's a vet. That's somebody who understands social media. That's somebody who understands football and understands the position. Cornerback, arguably, aside from quarterback, is the hardest, you know, in the game. So I, I, I he held himself accountable. He was not good in coverage. He's going to want to see that film. He's not going to want to see that film all week with George Pickens, but I guarantee you, I guarantee you he's not going to have a short memory with that when they see this team in a couple of weeks. So um, right. that's that partner. This team's got to, as, as Roquan said, you enjoy it for the rest of today and then you flush it. That's just the bottom line it. in the NFL, especially on what will be somewhat, in terms of an NFL calendar, a short week. Mark your calendars here accordingly. The Ravens are next in action at Cleveland against the Browns on Saturday, December 17th, six days from right now. It's an NFL network televised game, which will also be seen on WBAL locally for those of you in the Baltimore area. It's a 4.30 kickoff from there. It's down the stretch, and a lot of holidays are going to be screwed up, Sarah, because they play on Christmas Eve at home against the Atlanta Falcons. That's a one o'clock kickoff new year's day at home against the Steelers. That's a one o'clock kickoff. And I'm sure the NFL is waiting for the regular season finale in terms of where they want to position that time wise. Cause it's a TBD under the time, but Sunday, January 8th at Cincinnati will be the regular season finale. And I have a feeling, I have a feeling you and I will not be getting a one o'clock game for that one. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be shocked. Definitely not one o'clock. 
Depending on what else is going on, either a four o'clock or a or or a prime time, we will see. But I need to know sooner than later. I got plans to make. Hurry up, NFL. <laughs> and you got a birthday coming up this month as well. Don't think I haven't forgotten about that. Oh so, boy, I did not know you knew that. To it. All right. <laughs> Day before New Year's Eve, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, I got a good How memory. Do you know that? <laughs> <laughs> we talked about birthdays in like the first couple of weeks of our partnership. And I'd like to think I'm a decent partner. So I remembered it. <laughs> Holy moly. I, Bobby, I have a hard time remembering my own wedding anniversary. My husband's given up on me remembering, but you remember some random conversation when we first started. That's nice of you. I, I'll just say this though. I, I, I had a little bit of an advantage because my youngest brother, John, who goes to college right here in Baltimore, he uh, turns 20 on new year's eve so oh okay yeah that he's got the best birthday in the friggin yeah he's got the best birthday in like the history of birthdays so well my but, sister's uh, birthday is also Bal on december 31st so they both get it yeah hey there we go yeah. love it yeah as baltimore don c notes here uh, on youtube if you could Please, if you've been enjoying the content and only if you've been enjoying our content, please consider subscribing to the channel if you haven't already done so. Like the video if you're watching on YouTube. It allows us to continue to be discovered. Uh, Sarah and I have been doing this for, you know, six, seven months, and uh, we really want to, you know, we're having a, a lot of fun. It's been a, a great just way of, of, of cultivating and uh, an audience of Ravens fans. And it's been very rewarding as well. So if you haven't already done so check out what we're doing in audio only form on the Ravens vault podcast, it's available Spotify, Google play, Apple, a stitcher, wherever you get your shows, check us out there. We haven't gotten a lot of emails lately and we'd like to get to, um, you know, some Q and A's whenever you get a chance. So hit us up at Baltimore Ravens, vault at gmail.com and what we really haven't gotten in almost a calendar month is apple reviews we need apple reviews in order to keep doing our podcast so if you would take 30 seconds or whatever leave a review leave a rating uh, if you could do that uh, as soon as this finishes up that'd be awesome and it just uh, it allows us to like we said continue bringing you ravens content on the daily as we get ready for week 15 of the nfl season so partner i'll let you uh, finish things out and man, it was it was a great stream tonight, and I, we really want to thank everybody for popping on. We have we had over 270 people concurrently watching this, and that's I believe that's a new record for us. So it's been a lot of fun. It's a new record. I love it, Bobby. I just feel like we keep growing. We keep growing. Great, great Ravens fans supporting us. Really appreciate that, Bobby. You if you haven't checked it out, Bobby created some some news with Derek Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> Last week, I'm going to have to let you ever. close it out. Did we ever? Good talking to you guys. Yeah. I'm going to hit you and you close this off because I'm, I'm about yeah, to Yeah, go ahead. All right. Go ahead. I'll finish it. I'll finish it with this because I think it's actually going to be a good week in terms of uh, content, uh, regardless of whether or not this happens. There's always going to be content that we're going to be diving into. Uh, but Derek Wolf has verbally agreed to a follow-up conversation from last week. So if you didn't, if you haven't checked it out yet, you can do so by checking it out on the Ravens vault podcast. Uh, I have a video on my channel as well. It's essentially Derek Wolf calling out strength and conditioning coach, Steve Saunders for being the reason that he had to prematurely retire from the NFL after I believe 11 seasons. So it, it was very, a wide ranging interview. I thought he gave a lot of great insight in terms of peeling back the curtain for the bear photo and where he was with his hip and just a, a lot of, 
to, to me, it gave a lot of clarity. I know a lot of fans out there were, were looking for clarity when it comes to Derek's departure and why the injury settlement happened when it did and all that good stuff. So again, you can check that out in our YouTube video archives. It was just little snippets of an interview that he, I actually went on his show, uh, his drive time show in Denver on one Oh four, three, the fan. And so we're hoping that this week we carve out, you know, 30 minutes or so to catch up with him in more of a formal conversation on the vault. So be on the lookout for that. Again, if you Bobby, haven't subscribed, would love for you. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, real quick. What we should do, because you just mentioned we need more questions on to the to the email. Send us your questions for Derek Wolf. Send us some good, not too long. We got to get it to him quickly. We can't read him a book. Send us questions for Derek Wolf, and and we'll try to get one or two from him to him from you guys. It's funny you say that. I put that exact question out on Facebook on Friday, I think it was, and I got about a hundred of them. So, but. Maybe there won't be any duplicates, so we will accept more and we'll comb through all of them uh, before we talk to him this week. So with that in mind, partner, you get yourself hydrated over there and uh, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. I'm looking forward to watching some Sunday night football and kind of missing, uh, you know, kind of getting caught up on everything that went down across the NFL. And we thank you guys so much for your support. We're building every single day. And without you, we wouldn't be able to do this. So Ravens get the W. They're nine and four now through 14 weeks of football. A road trip to Cleveland now looms. It's a short week on Saturday. 4.30 means my pregame show will start around 3.30 or so next week. So be on the lookout for that. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for stepping inside the vault with us over the last hour or so. Later. Later.